You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. Come to the site now, check out all the good stuff we have. Coming out of Week 17, we're turning our attention to Wildcard Weekend, the NFL playoffs from 2020 to 2021 here. Six games this week. We expanded the playoff field to now seven teams in the AFC, seven teams in the NFC, so... You have everybody in action except the Chiefs and the Packers. Congratulations to those 14 teams still live on the road to Super Bowl 55. We'll break down those games. Obviously, the big focus of what we're going to be doing for much of this week. We'll do that, uh, as usual, with matchup Wednesday, matchup Thursday. Pretty simple. We'll take the three Saturday games, break them down, give them an entire show, and give the three Sunday games their own due diligence as well on Thursday. But we make the transition here slowly to off-season mode on Lockdown Fantasy Football. There's a lot to talk about. We're going to be here with you regularly here throughout the week, uh, all the way through the 2021 NFL Draft. So don't worry about that. We also have one last Roundup show to get through, Roundup Monday. So we had the full slate of 16 games there, all division games. So we'll break all those shows, games down for you here on this show and uh, again we'll have a special show for you tomorrow uh, we'll look at the mock draft that i have up right my first mock draft analysis here of the season for lockdown fantasy football i've done a few for sportnews.com but this is related to the teams that were eliminated here we have the draft order 1 through 18 so that should be a lot of fun looking at uh, what's ahead for those offenses and teams in general here that are not in super bowl 55 contention before we dive into a lot of talk about these games, kind of the final takeaways of the 2020 regular season, i got to tell you this episode of Locked on Fantasy Football is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Okay, so let's uh, go and we'll try to get these games in here in rapid fashion. A lot of things happened here that uh, was involving resting teams, so you didn't really get the real indication. But this game, you did get some indication here. The Bills and the Dolphins will start here. What a high-scoring game, 56-26. The Bills all over the Dolphins. They essentially eliminate the Dolphins from the playoffs. They didn't get the help they needed later to secure that wild card despite the loss. So Dolphins finished 10-6. Can't make the playoffs. That's how good the AFC was. Josh Allen played for as much as he needed to, 224-3. So continues his momentum into the playoffs. QB1, what a season for him. That certainly is going to keep up here in the playoffs. They were very careful with Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. Once they had a big lead, they went with Antonio Williams, who ended up with two touchdowns. So you might not have ever heard of that guy, but they didn't want to risk anything with those other players. Uh, Matt Barkley came in relief at quarterback, 164-1-1. and one and one. So 3-1 and one for Josh and Allen there. So good game for Allen. What the greatest development of the season for Allen was the fact that he put up big fantasy numbers without putting up big running numbers. And that's key for fantasy. You want some little bit more running from him. But to have those type of numbers passing, very few guys can do that. 
that's more consistent for production and fantasy football here. And uh, Allen is certainly going to be locked in as a high-end uh, QB1 next year. Stefan Diggs had a quiet day, but we expected they weren't going to overwork him. 7 for 76 and 8 targets. John Brown uh, came back. They warmed him up uh, without uh, Cole Beasley. 4 for 72. Caught all of his targets and a touchdown. Gabriel Davis scoring on a long bomb there from Matt Barkley. So, good receiving core all around. I think Diggs is the number one. But you look at Beasley. He was big. Brown was healthy. He was active. Isaiah McKenzie, 6 for 65 and two scores in this one. So, their ancillary players are pretty good to help Allen Davis, McKenzie, Brown maybe more regular player, but uh, based on his injuries, he wasn't in there as much. So we figure Cole Beasley will be back for the playoffs here to open uh, against the Colts. That'll be their first opponent in the number two, number seven game. We'll break that down for you. But what a year for the Bills offense. I think the running backs were the most disappointing here by far. You didn't know who to start from week to week. Zach Moss or Devin Singletary. They kind of played hot hand instead of situational approach. So that would be the disappointing thing and maybe not having any consistency of receivers away from Diggs, except Beasley popping in as a wide receiver three from time to time. Doesn't look like this team is going to be ever committed to the tight end too much. Dustin Knox is going to make a few plays, but nothing where we can look at uh, fantasy football here going forward, as long as those young receivers are intact. And uh, Davis certainly has some potential as a wide receiver three with John Brown's age and injury, and uh, they could definitely use him more in year two for the Bills' explosive offense. Now, Tua Tagovola has a lot of promise as well. It took him 58 attempts to get 361 yards and a TD, three interceptions, threw a pick six. Devontae Parker returned to help him, seven for 116. Miles Gaskin looks like the right answer in the backfield overall with his versatility. 12 touches for 67 yards and a TD here for Gaskin. So I think they found their uh, running back that they can trust most. They're going to have to compliment a little bit, but... So much for Jordan Howard and Matt Breida. That combination broke up quickly. A little bit of Salvin Ahmed filling in for Gaskin. But Gaskin's still the guy. Good receiver. Good all-round back. I don't think that's going to change here in 2020. One. And uh, they will move on, however, from Chan Gailey. So they're looking for more explosive offense here for sure. Mike Gusecki was hit or miss. He came on in a few games, but didn't consistently get used here. Preston Williams going down. Hurt this uh, passing game for sure for the Dolphins. They had to mix in. Lynn Bowden and Isaiah Ford and a little bit of Jakeem Grant. Grant didn't play in this game. So we'll see what they do away from uh, Gailey here. I think they could use a coordinator that's going to use the 11 personnel, spread the field a little bit more. So I expect the Dolphins, who now have that high pick, we'll talk about that on our uh, mock draft show tomorrow here as an eliminated team from the playoffs. They have potential here, multiple picks in the first round. I think they can do a lot of things to help Tua Tagovola look at uh, some skill player help and some offensive line help for their new coordinator. And uh, Tua getting his first full season starter. You expect Ryan Fitzpatrick not to be back. He is a free agent on a one-year deal. So this is going to be totally Tua's team, but they can't hold him back or in him in, have Fitzpatrick as the relief quarterback when they're not scoring. They need Tua to be transcendent and take that next step as a quarterback. And I, I think they'll do what they need to do there to make it happen. All right, the next game we'll talk about as we complete our look at the AFC East games of Week 17. The Patriots beat the Jets 28-14. This was the finale here for Cam Newton. At least he went on a bang high note here. It was the Jets, so keep that in mind. 242-3 through the air, 79 yards rushing to lead the team as well. So Cam may be hinting that he still has something left. We like Jacoby Myers a little bit in this game, working a slot. He came through 6-for-68, one Rush for seven yards as well. Damian Harris had to be shut down. 
But Sonny Michel looked really good. He'd been hurt for most of the season, but 16 rushes, 76, 3 catches, 60, and a TD. James White found the end zone again, 4 for 31 and a TD. Cam Newton had a reception here for a touchdown as well. So if you played Cam Newton DFS against the Jets, just because of this matchup, you were highly rewarded in this one for sure. When you have uh, four combined TDs, 242 through the air, 79 on the ground. One of the better Cam Newton games, unfortunately too little too late. And he's not going to be back in New England. It was a one-year deal. The overall body of work wasn't that great. So, uh, unfortunately, the Cam Newton Patriots experiment had its moments, but not enough. And they got to move on here. But Jacoby Meyer is certainly a keeper. I think they have to look at him as a slot guy of the future. They need to really overhaul their other receivers. Nikhil Harry looks like a big-time bust here overall. So, I don't like it. Uh, Myers has proved to be a versatile player. Bill Belichick type of player. He threw the touchdown to, Meyer, to uh, Newton here. So, I really uh, like Myers as a player. I think he needs help on the outside. That's where the Patriots need to go. I think the Patriots might have something at tight end now all of a sudden. Uh, Devin Aziazi from uh, UCLA had an impact here. He had to catch a touchdown here. Great athlete. I think he can still be a big factor in here, in this offense. They have Dalton Keene, too. Uh, Ryan Izzo is more of just a guy there at this point uh, who was thrust into the tight end role, but... Watch out for Ozzy as being a factor, as well as Myers next year. We'll see what maybe Michelle will have an expanded role. Damian Harris, hard to trust health-wise. We'll see if they change things up in the backfield with Rex Burkhead also being on the shelf, Michelle White, all that stuff. Uh, we want a little bit more clarity out of the Patriots backfield. I don't know if we'll get it, but certainly they need some receiver help for whoever their next quarterback is. And uh, we're going to assume right now, just because of one game, it's not going to be Newton. Well, we know the Jets are not going to have Sam Darnold as their starting quarterback, most likely. People have been clamoring for them to think about Panay Sewell as the offensive line choice here. But remember, they got Mekhi Becton, and they spent money on George Fant in free agency here in the 2020 offseason. So, unfortunately for Sam Darnold, the ceiling has been too low. He makes too many mistakes. Maybe he'll do better free from Adam Gaze, who got fired, not surprisingly, after this 2-14 and season. But, again, I don't This Jets offense is so ugly. At least they won't have this affinity for Frank Gore. Maybe get some help in the running game. Will it be Josh Adams? Will it be Ty Johnson? Will it be LaMichael Pirine? Could be someone else totally off this roster working a little more. A couple good developments was Rashad Perriman started to look like a number one. with fully healthy down the stretch. Denzel Mims could be a lot more on this team. So Perriman Mims, pretty good baseline to work with on the outside. Jamison Crowder, very good slot receiver. You have Chris Herndon, who came on stronger, 7 for 63 and a TD on 9 targets. So Herndon underutilized in this offense. I just didn't understand. I think they had a lot of potential with Perryman, Mims, Herndon Crowder. Just those guys weren't out on the field altogether very often. They tended to be way too run heavy. And again, I think they'll be happy to be free of Adam Gaze. The biggest question again, are they going to be free of Sam Darnold? Is Sam Darnold going to settle for a backup role? Jets picking up number 2 here. Will they go quarterback here instead of offensive line or defense, which they need a lot of help as well, especially at uh, cornerback and pass rush. So a lot of big decisions facing the Jets, starting with Darnold, with now no Adam Gaze in the mix for their new, uh, relatively new GM, Joe Douglas there. So good mock draft show coming up, and uh, can't wait to uh, dive into that part of the aftermath of the 2020 season from a fantasy football reality perspective for you. Now let's uh, continue here. We flipped from the AFC East to the AFC North. A pretty reasonable uh, transition here. Lamar Jackson, what can you say? What a f- stretch here. The five-game winning streak. 
113 and 3 for Lamar Jackson through the air. Didn't have an interception, but you'll live with it. He had 97 yards rushing. J.K. Dobbins, man, ever since they made the move to kind of limit Mark Ingram's touches, not get Justice Hill involved, make Dobbins the main guy, and then have Gus Edwards as the power change of pace, this offense has taken off. It took them long enough with Greg Roman, so credit that Greg Roman finally saw the light and said Dobbins has to touch the ball. Maybe too little, too late for fantasy, but if you had him down the stretch, you were thrilled. It seemed to be the case with a lot of these rookie backs including uh, Jonathan Taylor, that they exploded when they finally got the big role all to themselves down the stretch. So coaches played it a little simple. Maybe uh, the COVID-19 and the virtual offseason didn't let them do that. But Dobbins looks like he's going to be a locked-in RB1 next year. 13 for 160 and 2, including a 72-yard burst against the Bengals. 38-3 to is the final. So Jackson, Dobbins did whatever they want. A little bit of Gus Edwards. Another good development is Marquise Brown. It's really come alive. So... It's actually hurt Mark Andrews because Miles Boykin is making big plays. Marquise Brown, it's still very low passing volume. They only completed 11 passes this game, had 54 rushes. So in the game script, Ravens want to run the ball more than anything else. When they're not throwing a ton, it's going to be usually Marquise Brown or Miles Boykin. And Mark Andrews not getting the same kind of touchdown. So he kind of faded here down the stretch, but it's a good sign for Jackson's value that He's feeling comfortable with his two MB second-year receivers going into year three. I think Boykin and Brown can be a big factor in the playoffs. But Brown, what a closing stretch for him. He was doing nothing. Then all of a sudden he was consistently scoring, making big plays for this team. He now looks more like that number one we thought he could be here for the Ravens as a complete receiver. So good developments. They're letting the kids play. What a young, dynamic offense. Dobbins, Edwards, Boykin, Brown, Jackson tying it all together here for Baltimore. Now, Cincinnati, you just can't judge too much here. There's no Joe Mixon. There's no Joe Burrow for most of the season. You had no Mixon. Uh, Burrow missed the good chunk there after that injury uh, against Washington football team. Six for 21 for Brandon Allen. That's all you can say. Travion Williams might be a player to watch here. A lot of Oklahoma backs here, by the way. They have Joe Mixon and Travion Williams and Samaji Pirine. They love Oklahoma. Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor, by the way, returning as the head coach here, so... It'll be all better things. The big question is, A.J. Green going to come back? T. Higgins has potential as a wide receiver, too. I think with the way they're going, Tyler Boyd has dropped down more to wide receiver three. We'll see what they do there. Is Drew Sample going to see a bigger role? It was a pretty ugly game overall when you complete uh, only six passes in a game. So, again, we'll watch Williams, a guy to put on our list here. Mixon always hurt, it seems like. They did give Mixon a big contract, so I would think he would be the guy next year if he can come back. But we'll watch that for sure. And, again, Higgins... It's the guy I would feel really good about here for the Bengals offense with that connection with Burrow heating up. And again, this offense will be better all, overall with some offensive line help, Burrow and Mixon, that's for sure. And uh, again, you can't really evaluate the Bengals at the way they were at the end of the season. The next game we'll talk about here is the Steelers and Browns. It was 24-22. The Steelers rested their main players in this one, so really can't uh, judge it too much. But the Browns win 24-22. Steelers and Browns will play again in a 3-6 game here in the wildcard round. Now, the Steelers didn't really play their run defense principles here. They were careful with their veteran cornerbacks. The Mayfield still struggled, 196 in a TD. Nick Chubb, 108-1 and on the ground. They ran for 192 yards in this game. Mayfield actually ran for 44 here. But good to see Rashard Higgins running routes well on the outside, 2 for 55, 5 for 51 for Jarvis Landry, 4 for 37 and a touchdown for Austin Hooper. So, 
Going forward, I think Mayfield definitely feels more comfortable with Higgins, Landry, and Hooper. So we'll see if they can move Odell Beckham Jr. Because I don't think it was a coincidence that the Browns played better overall, spreading the ball out offense without OBJ here. And that's something we'll watch in a tough matchup, however, going now to Pittsburgh and a full-strength defense there in the wildcard round. Now let's look at the Mason Rudolph, 3-15-2. and two, So still pretty good game for Mason Rudolph. Chase Claypool and Rudolph had some uh, good connection here. So as much as they've been saying James Washington is a mix, for some reason Rudolph and Washington, despite playing at Oklahoma State, don't have any real chemistry with the Steelers. Zero catches there. Chase Claypool, 5 for 101 on 11 targets. So clearly Rudolph wanted to push the ball down. Feel a little bit more than Big Ben. Deontay Johnson was still pretty good here, 3 for 96 and 4 targets. 6 for 65 and a score for Juju. So... As much as they rested Roethlisberger, they did play the receivers. They did play James Conner. So it was more about Roethlisberger than anything else and a lot of key defensive players in this one. But credit the Steelers. They gave it a fight, almost beat the Browns, almost spoiled their playoff hopes here. So very interesting here with this game. But Claypool, we'll see Juju Smith-Schuster as a free agent. We'll see if they keep him or they go Claypool and Johnson going forward. Claypool needed this game. He he had been a consistent wide receiver two, but then dropped off into wide receiver four status. Johnson certainly looked like consistent wide receiver two, and Smith Schuster really came down to the stretch. One thing we know with the Steelers uh, after they're eliminated from the playoffs, whenever that is, they got to move on from James Conner. He looked pretty bad in this one, nine for thirty-seven. I don't think Benny Snell's the answer. I don't think Anthony McFarland is necessarily a full-time feature back in this one. So. Again, uh, clearly this uh, Steelers running game just not up to snuff here, and that could be a problem in the playoffs. All right, let's uh, flip over to the NFC, and our last game we'll talk about in this segment. It is the Cowboys and Giants, 23-19. The Giants win a frustrating loss for the Cowboys here. Eddie Dalton uh, couldn't quite finish the drive through an interception in the end zone versus the Go-ahead game-winning score. In the end, it didn't really matter because the Washington football team played the Eagles, who pretty much rolled over for them in the third and fourth quarter. So, neither of these teams would have made the playoffs. They don't. 243, an interception for Andy Dalton. 48 yards rushing to lead the team. Pretty pathetic effort by Ezekiel Elliott in this one. They needed him the most. He gets a touchdown, but only 17 touches for 61. So, Elliott's going to be back. We know it. But I think it's a mistake that they paid him. Tony Pollard, not... As explosive in this one, but again, that might be a mistake if uh, they get squeezed here with the Dak Prescott contract. But they need Dak Prescott back. In a tougher matchup, Dak can navigate. I mean, he lit up the Giants. Dalton wasn't able to do that. Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, and Amari Cooper all need Dak Prescott. Dalton Schultz was the one guy bumped up because Dalton was a short intermediate thrower here. But again, that's not the Cowboys' offense. They want to run it, get the big plays downfield off play action. Having a mobile quarterback. I get it, Dalton ran for 48, but he also sacked six times in this game. So, forgettable season for the Cowboys ever since Dak went down week five against the Giants and showed up here in week 17 against the Giants. Now, let's get the Giants. I think Daniel Jones, I think, needed a confidence-building game. He's finally healthy with a hamstring, 229-2 and two, through an interception. So, one of his better performances. Has to shake those turnovers. That's the biggest problem, but only sacked a couple times here. Ran for 17 yards. Locked in with Sterling Shepard here, 8 for 112 in a TD. Sterling Shepard, I think, has some wide receiver too. Appeal, Darius Slayton, whatever that is, it's over in terms of a big play. Dante Pettis, the former 49er, getting it done in the slot here with no Golden Tate. So they might move on from Tate for sure with the way the coaching staff and Tate were here. So I think there's a change there. Shepard, I liked him all year as a sleeper. He came through this one with a 23-yard touchdown rush. He catches for 112 in a TD. Just couldn't stay healthy with that toe injury. 
That's always been the case for Shepard. I really like him as a technically sound receiver. Wayne Gallman, 11 for 65. We know the biggest thing with the Giants next year. Saquon Barkley changes everything. Hopefully he can be healthy. And uh, Saquon, with the potential of some of these things in the offense, with the receivers and Ingram and Jones playing better, I think Saquon can have a big rebound season next year for New York. All right, so there's a look at uh, the first five games, the five results here of the NFL Sunday schedule, week 17, all the most important fantasy football takeaways. We still have to get 11 more games. Yeah, it's an action-packed show here. We're wrapping things up nicely for you. But uh, before we do that, are you ready for some more football in the playoffs? Yeah, we still have uh, 13 more games before we crown the winner of Super Bowl 55. We also have one massive college football game, the CFP final between Alabama and Ohio State. Congratulations to the Crimson Tide and Buckeyes. There's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust for the action. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code LOCKDOWN for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKDOWN to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And uh, we'll uh, use them to definitely look at our lines later in the week. So... Good stuff with betonline.ag and uh, proud to be tied with them here on the Locked On Network. We'll be right back here to break down uh, another six games from the Sunday results of Week 17, Fantasy Football Perspective. Okay, uh, let's uh, pick up where we left off here in a moment. But uh, I got to tell you, I think we're all glad that 2020 is mercifully over it's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling at Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's uh, look at the next game here on the schedule. That would be the Vikings and Lions. This was a fantasy bonanza for those playing in Week 17. That's because two defenses failed to show up. 37-35, the Vikings win at Detroit. They outlast them in a shootout. 4-0-5-3 for Kirk Cousins. Congratulations to Justin Jefferson. The rookie receiving mark in terms of yardage, 9 for 133 on 12 targets. I'm feeling quite into here, 4 for 57 on 5. But certainly a transition where Jefferson is really the number one receiver with the Vikings. He does more. He's more explosive. He's more consistent. Thielen is more touchdown dependent here. Big game for Alexander Madison. You knew that uh, Dalvin Cook might have this type of game if he were in the lineup, but unfortunately for Dalvin Cook, he had a very tragic thing. Uh, lost his father this week, so condolences to Dalvin Cook. It was a great season for him, and uh, we understand that, uh, not playing in this game. But Alexander Madison getting a chance here to really deliver. 24 carries there, touches, I should say. 145 and two touchdowns here for Alexander Madison, so... We were concerned a little bit that he wasn't the clear best backup to Dalvin Cook, but got the opportunity here, and that uh, made you feel better about it for sure. If you're holding on to Madison, he played through Week 17. He really came through here as a super sub uh, when uh, Cook needed the most here. So good to see Madison doing that here. The matchup was brilliant. Came through. Cousins lit it up here. So great uh, game for sure when you uh, break 500 yards of total offense. Well, the... Lions didn't quite hit that, but well over 400 here. Matthew Stafford, we'll see about his future there without uh, Matt Patricia. Figure they're going to move on from Daryl Bevel there at uh, 
offensive coordinator. He's the interim coach here as well. So we'll see some big changes. Maybe Stafford's out, but 293 and 3. Another big change could be related to Marvin Jones. He had 8 catches, 180, 2 touchdowns, 11 targets. So remember Marvin Jones, he's having a very quiet season until Kenny Galladay went down with a hip injury. Then Jones became the dominant number one. It was basically Jones, a good chunk of TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift on the backfield. So it's pretty simple. Swift ends up with 15 touches and 70 yards and a touchdown to a complete his rookie season. Adrian Peterson didn't go away all the way through the end. Seven carries, 63 and a score including a 38-yard run. So we'll see. Adrian Peterson continues to haunt the Vikings. We'll see if he still find a way to be on another team here uh, in 2021. Would not surprise me at all the way Peterson has looked and uh, produced more times than not when given the opportunity. So Jones is a free agent. He'll be 31. They have to move on. Maybe they'll look at a wide receiver in the draft. That's something they're going to have to decide how much they trust Galladay's hip injury and him coming at full strength despite not playing for most of the season. Jones, do they like him and don't want to break him up with Stafford? Is he going to be a bargain price in relation to the market? All these things they have to consider here. But good year as a back-end tight end one for TJ Hawkinson. Swift looks like he should uh, touch the ball a little bit more. We'll see what they do with Peterson. But we'll see with Jones. Uh, maybe uh, trying to go for a free agent payday elsewhere as a veteran receiver. But it's hard to ignore that type of performance and what he did all year long ever since Galladay went on the shelf. Okay, the next game we'll talk about here is the Falcons at Bucks, and uh, this one, 44-27. The Falcons get blown out in this one. It was close for a while. It was only uh, 23-10 at halftime. The Falcons made it close with 10 third-quarter points, but 265-2. I think Matt Ryan did enough here in the last few games, twice against the Buccaneers, to think that Falcons still have something here at quarterback. They shouldn't uh, overreact and think... They're not going to get anything done with their new coach with Matt Ryan there. So you look at the numbers, 9 for 91, a touchdown for Russell Gage. So he proved to be a keeper here when Julio Jones was hurting, Gage kept producing. And so we'll see about Julio on the hamstring, fully healthy. Calvin Ridley, quiet ending to a great season, 8 for 52. Hayden Hurst, a pretty solid uh, work. And he also bumped up here when uh, Jones went down, 4 for 28, and a touchdown for him. So Gage and Hurst, Ridley and Jones, not a bad way baseline to build with your quarterback. Definitely have to be in a market for running back. This time, the hot hand was Brian Hill. 12 touches for 136 for Brian Hill. Todd Gurley playing his last game with the Falcons. Most likely 10 touches for only 35 yards. Edo Smith, I don't know how much they trust him. I think it was a Hill-Smith hot hand situation. So yeah, the Falcons need to clean this up. I think they'll definitely be in the market for a Najee Harris out of Alabama or some type of running back to kind of clean this thing up. Be feature for their next coach in the Presumably uh, next offense away from uh, Dirk Cutter as well. As Matt Ryan learns, probably again with another new offensive coordinator. What else is new in Atlanta? All right, let's go to the Bucks. A 44, they put up a 399, so just short for Tom Brady of 400. Uh, matching Cousins, four TDs. Did have an interception this game. It was a little weird play that happened. Uh, they're a great athletic play. But the big story here is that Mike Evans got hurt, three for 46, but... Antonio Brown took over like vintage Antonio Brown. Brady just kept throwing and throwing to the sky. There was a bonus at stake, apparently. So, 11 catches, 138 and 2 on 14 targets. Chris Godwin, 5 for 133 on 7 targets. So, Godwin was still more efficient. There were a lot of dump-off passes to Brown, basically, to rack up his reception total. But, yeah, Brown and Godwin here, um, looking at... uh, 
these receivers. I mean, this is why they went out to get Brown, to be even more dangerous. They were a little bit limited with Rob Gronkowski, so it's pick your poison every week, and Bucks move on to the playoffs as number five. They'll play the Washington football team. Again, Brown could be a big factor if Evans is banged up. It looks like Evans avoided a major injury here, so maybe he'll be in the lineup or they'll be careful with him as Devin White and the linebacker is also going to miss the first game. But yeah, Brown locked in with Tom Brady. This combination is going to be back next year, folks, that we would assume. And Godwin, really, we thought Godwin would be a key receiver for Brady, and he was when they were both on the same page. Everything happened here. Godwin got healthy. Remember, he missed some time with a finger injury and a concussion and all that. So once Godwin was locked in consistently, he produced, and Brown uh, took over the last uh, month now with uh, four touchdowns in the final three games as a Buccaneer in his first season as a Buccaneer. So you love that. Ronald Jones did everything he can to shake off the doubters. 12 carries, 78 and a score. So Leonard Fournette, uh, LaShawn McCoy weren't that much of a threat when Jones was healthy for his key touches. So they found a keeper back, and it's going to be hard for Keyshawn Vaughn to kind of crack that code, uh, assuming uh, they move on from uh, McCoy and Fournette here in 2021. All right, uh, let's uh, flip over now from the NFC South to the AFC South. This one was a wild one, 41-38. The Titans outlast the Texans in regulation. We thought it was going to go to overtime, but Titans get a big play from Ryan Tannehill to A.J. Brown. This was the Derrick Henry show. He goes over 2,000 yards rushing, 250-2 and two for Derrick Henry. A.J. Brown, we know, is going to go off 10 for 151 in a TD on 11 targets, including that 52-yard play to set up the... Game-winning field goal. They didn't really need much of anyone else. It's pretty much the Henry Brown show. Ryan Tannehill did it through the ground. 38 rushes, or 38 yards with two TDs as well. So Henry and Tannehill both score twice on the ground. Tannehill gets one touchdown through the air to Brown. So again, Tannehill finishes a QB1. Henry right there as the best RB conversation there in fantasy football. A lot of good uh, guys from the crowd, both Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook sitting out uh, that allowed Henry to steal the show here and he did in uh, week 17 so what can you say about Derrick Henry I think he's locked in as a top five pick next year AJ Brown clearly is a wide receiver one without any question about that and Tannehill back end still QB one here going forward and the Titans move on to play the Ravens in the playoffs so that should be an exciting high scoring game there that you want to have shares of DFS for Deshaun Watson ends up leading the league in passing yards so Many tough stretch here and there, but the Texans' defense stunk, and they had to throw, and their running game was limited. It got a little bit better with David Johnson returning. David Johnson finished his first year with the Texans pretty strong here. Three straight solid games. This one, he gets 17 touches for 120 yards and a TD. So David Johnson might be a keeper with what they want to do this backfield. He wasn't healthy for most of the season. You wonder how much more productive the Texans could have been. You have uh, Watson, 365-3. and three. Only 12 yards rushing, but Deshaun locked in as a QB1. Let's get him some help here. He did get a lot of help from Brandon Cooks. 11 for 166 and two TDs. You wonder if Will Fuller had been out there, how big of games that uh, Watson would have had down the stretch versus that suspension. But Cooks, we liked Cooks, remember, a little bit ahead of Fuller as the go-to guy. A little bit of for- fortune there with Fuller ending up with suspension, but that was part of it, is that we thought the durability and availability wouldn't be there as much. Cooks did miss some time himself, but again, Cooks and Watson dialed in together and have not a bad replacement in the end for DeAndre Hopkins. So again, we complained about that, but in the end, Cooks was pretty good, locked in with Watson here. Kiki Kuti, 
six for 90. He, he's a keeper in the slot. So remember he was in the doghouse with Bill O'Brien? Well, they took him out of it when O'Brien's gone, and he was very productive. So Cooks, Cootie, and Fuller look like a pretty good future for this passing game. They moved on from Kenny Stills, Randall Cobb. I don't think we'll be back in the mix with Cootie. They have pretty good tight ends here. So all kinds of stuff here that Watson could challenge for the highest scoring QB there easily with the new coaching staff in the season 2021. All right, uh, let's uh, look at the Jaguars-Colts as we stay in this division. And uh, we'll, after this, uh, get into the AFC West games from Week 17. But this one was uh, pretty much all Colts, 28-14. Speaking of rookie running backs and 250-yard performances, yeah, somehow Derrick Henry wasn't the top rusher of this week. It was Jonathan Taylor, 253-2. It's like he's back at Wisconsin putting up big numbers and uh, putting up Heisman's here. So Jonathan Taylor, league winner in that David Montgomery range as well. What a great finish here. This rookie back special. He needed the break of Marlon Mack going down, then finally to go away from Jordan Wilkins and Naeem Hines and load him up. And they did down the stretch. So remember what we've learned with Dobbins and Taylor and Swift. These teams could start slow in getting the ball to the rookie backs, but eventually talent is the number one thing that stands on fantasy football. They don't want to overwork these guys. They want them healthy at the end of the season, especially if they're competing for playoff things such as the Ravens and Colts, and that's what you kind of saw, similar parallel lives to Dobbins and Taylor with their elite Big Ten built rushing skills showing up here as their teams trusted them with high volume. So I think Taylor and Dobbins, that's going to be a tough draft decision, folks, there. I'm not sure where I go. I think it depends on what else happens with the Colts' offense. Well, I know a little bit more about the Ravens' offensive consistency here with Greg Roman. The receiving core, hard to trust here with Phillip Rivers, 164-1-1. He had a touchdown to T.Y. Hilton. That's about it. We'll see if T.Y. comes back here a little bit older. Again, clearly the top guy. Michael Pittman figures to be in the mix to be a top receiver next year. But again, tough to trust anything other than Taylor being a high-end RB1 there. And again, we don't know the status of Rivers. They're going to the playoffs against the Bills. We'll see about that. I wouldn't play Rivers in fantasy in the playoffs either, as we're pretty careful with him in reality as well during the regular season. All right, the Jaguars, Mike Glennon, enjoy that last start for the Jaguars, Mike Glennon. So Gardner Minshew, we're not going to see any more of the mustache and Minshew mania. We're going to see Lawrence Lunacy. Let that begin. It's Trevor Lawrence sitting there. So Mike Glennon is the mop-up guy, kind of, Got someone in the pitching rotation to just take some lumps here. 261-2, and two, so pretty good game for him. LaVisca should know. What a game for LaVisca. Six for 68 and two touchdowns. You had DJ Chark missing this game, Colin Johnson. But you have Keelan Cole as a free agent. They're going to have to navigate through that. We have to see about Chris Conley. He led the team in receiving seven for 87. But Cheneau, DJ Chark. Love these two receivers. Colin Johnson also has potential. So you put those guys with Lawrence, you have uh, James Robinson who sat in this game again. Maybe Cole returns in the slot. You have some very good weapons here for Lawrence, already established on this Jaguars team. Pretty decent offensive line, pretty good running game. One Robinson is up and running, so yeah. A lot of promise for this Jaguars. Uh, we'd like to see it streamlined a little bit. We'd like to just see basically being a Chark, Cheneau, and a little bit of Colin Johnson. Get Conley, Cole, all these other guys out of the way. There were annoying receivers. Let's streamline this offense. Let's get Tyler Eifert more involved in year two. Make it better for the quarterback to produce. So, yeah. So, again, just mop-up duty there. But, you know, that was an important game for 
him, I think, to go in with more confidence as a co-number one, so to speak, with DJ Chark there for Lawrence in 2021. Now let's look at uh, our two teams from the, or four teams, I should say, from the AFC West. 32-31, the Braiders and Broncos in a wild one. 371-2, and two. pretty good uh, g- game and pretty good fantasy season from Derek Carr. He had some games where he wanted to trust him more and then he melted down, but 371-2 and two and two, two picks in this game. That's where you don't trust him as much. So there, Josh Jacobs, it's been a rough season with his usage and injuries, but 15 for 89 and two scores, good finish for Josh Jacobs. I think he's more of an RB2 next week, uh, given some of those rising young superstars that look a little bit better than him than the second year back going into year three. At uh, tight end, Darren Waller, another massive game. Unless his name was Travis Kelsey, there was no better t- tight end in fantasy football this year. So 9-117-1, basically glorified wide receiver, 10 targets. We'll see if these other receivers uh, drive up, as, but as long as Carr is there, Waller's going to be his go-to guy, much like uh, Mahomes and Travis Kelsey all over the field. They might work in some guys, but it seems more Tyreek Hill by committee, so to speak, with these other guys. Henry Ruggs in third. Not getting a lot of run as a first-rounder. Nelson Aguilar stepped up as the top receiver here, one for 57 on four targets. So, again, Aguilar certainly did a lot to prove that he should be in a key spot. Waller, clearly the go-to guy, and he'll definitely be in the conversation for second tight end. I I still think he has more appeal at this point than George Kittle because of the durability and his usage like a wide receiver as a go-to guy with Carr's chemistry as well. But yeah, Ruggs, Jones, Edwards, I really thought some of these guys were going to have a bigger role. It might be Edwards, who had Brian Edwards, the rookie from South Carolina, 2 for 51, a touchdown, two targets. He looked pretty good here. So in the end, uh, maybe it's not the greatest situation for Ruggs going forward with the use of Waller downfield, Aguilar with the potential of returning, and Edwards uh, with his size being a little bit more of a better complete all-around receiver than Ruggs. So Drew is still out on Ruggs for sure. Jury has been out on Jerry Judy, his uh, former teammate and first-round rookie there for the Broncos. But uh, Judy, 5 for 140 and a touchdown on seven targets, including a 92-yard touchdown pass from Drew Locke. That's the longest of the season. We like Drew Locke as a streamer, 339-2 and two for him, no picks. So a good ending game for Drew Locke to maybe think John Elway will trust him. Melvin Gordon completes a very successful first season. They wanted to make him the feature back over Philip Lindsay. He paid off. He was durable to the end. 26 for 93 in touchdowns. Still not the greatest numbers, but he's pretty much the same guy from the Chargers. Pretty durable. Gets a high volume here. That's was the big thing. He had some durability issues with the Chargers tenure there, but 30 touches, 110 TD. He's going to touch you and uh, situational you to fantasy relevance, and that's what we saw with Melvin Gordon in this finale. Again, we'll see. I think they'll definitely keep him and uh, have him as the main back. Locke looks like he can uh, avoid being replaced here. But yeah, Judy and Fant should be a lot better. Fant, 4 for 48 on 6 targets here. Cortland Sutton should return. So between Sutton and Fant and Judy, you have something potential for Drew Locke, and that might give Locke a free pass here. We'll see. Uh, It might trickle down to Tim Patrick. I think his days are probably over as a key target on this team. Deshaun Hamilton played with KJ Hamler out. So... It's a tough by committee approach for the Broncos offense here. And we want to see a little bit more streamlining. We'll see if they make any major changes here for Locke in 2020. But good pass protection from Garrett Bowles. He emerged at left tackle. So all good things around Locke. And maybe a good reason to keep and stick with Locke here into year three. Now we know the Chargers are going to stick with Justin Herbert. Uh, They beat the Chiefs who are resting and not playing anyone. 
38 to 21 on the road. Herbert 302 and three, so another big fantasy game for him. He also had a rushing TD. The leading rusher for this team, however, is Justin Jackson, nine for 72. Some mop up there. No Keenan Allen. You had uh, limitations there of Jalen Guyton, who's came, coming and banged up. So Mike Williams, six for 108 in TD. He ends up the season strong. They went tight end by committee with uh, Hunter Henry not returning. So Darnold Parham scores. Steven Anderson was worked on the mix. You had Tyron Johnson. Get a few more looks here, but yeah, Mike Williams will have to see. He's a hard guy to trust and fancy. He's been a boomer bust wide receiver four for most of the season. We'll see if Tyron Johnson's a man or Jalen Guyton here with Hunter Henry or Hunter Henry and Keenan Allen. Allen should be back in full strength after the hamstring cost him the final two games of the season. And uh, Henry again, COVID nineteen list. So Henry, by the way, is a free agent, so they're gonna have to make a decision on him where they want to invest their resources. But Anthony Lynn, unfortunately, or uh, Looking at this situation, uh, I don't know if this is the best thing for Justin Herbert, but they're going to lose some continuity with uh, Anthony Lynn out as the coach, and maybe Shane Steichen out as offensive coordinator, which is a shame. You don't want a new coordinator to come in and ruin what Herbert did so well, produced in reality and fantasy as a potential rookie of the year. If the Chargers have been a little bit better, I think he was in the rookie of the year conversation offensively, but I think Justin Jefferson pretty much has that locked up here. With the Chargers not winning a lot, and uh, you know, Joe Burrow going down, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire not doing that much, Ruggs and Judy being limited. Clearly, until uh, Dobbins and uh, Taylor had to say it late, it looked like it might be Herbert, but I think uh, they'll probably go Jefferson with that receiving yards there. But yeah, Herbert definitely is going to be in the conversation for a top QB1 with uh, doing things that we've never seen by a rookie quarterback in fantasy football with his consistency and productions there. So... Big there for Herbert. Now let's hope the Chargers don't screw it up. He's got a great supporting cast. We know that when everyone's healthy, Eckler and and if they have Hunter Henry back, they got uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, these receivers, Johnson and Guyton. So a lot of things to like about uh, the future of uh, Justin Herbert, especially if they go out and get some offensive line help in the draft or free agency. Now for the Chiefs, what can you say? When you know Darwin Thompson... His lead back, you know, everyone's resting. There means no Darrell Williams, no Le'Veon Bell, no Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So 21 touches, 110 yards, and two scores for Darwin Thompson. Chad Henney actually looked pretty good throwing two touchdowns. The leading receivers here were Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, Miko Hardman, Garrick Dieter, and Dion Elder. So <laughs> this is what you get when there's no Sammy Watkins in there, no Tyree Kill, no Travis uh, Kelsey Watkins, and Robinson, by the way, are free agents, so... This could be the last run for them. But Pringle they like. Hardman, of course, can do a lot of things that Hill can. Good to know they have some good backfield depth all the way with Darwin Thompson. So when you look at Thompson and Darrell Williams and Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, probably not looking good for Damian Williams to return into a key role for the Chiefs. And uh, again, Chad Henney, this system is really good, and they still put up 21 points in a game they weren't trying to win. Okay, so there's a look at uh, now six more games. So yeah, I told you we're going to get to a lot of games here. On the show, it's an action-packed here uh, Roundup Monday when we have a full 16 slated games. Uh, we still have uh, five more to talk about before we close the show, and we'll get into those quickly. But first, got to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. And the improved Built Bar is even delicious, sir, with six new flavors. Caramel, brownie, cookies and cream, cherry, barcia, lemon, almond, cheesecake, carrot cake, apple, almond, crisp. That goes with their 12 original flavors, coconut, almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, toffee, almond, coconut, peanut butter, brownie. All the bars you get from Bill Bar are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Bill Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or gal, which is important in the new year. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. 
Bars you get from Bill Bar are all low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. Great for anyone on a keto diet. Just take their flavor profile of their coconut almond. 18 grams protein, 180 calories, only 5 grams sugar, and only 5 grams net carbs. Go to Bilt Bar and use the promo code LOCKDOWN. you get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKDOWN for 20% off at BiltBar.com. We'll be right back here to close the show looking at the final five games of the 2020 NFL regular season. Okay. Here we go, uh, looking at uh, the final games. Uh, we have a couple leftovers from the previous divisions. We'll get to those. The Packers and Bears are next. Packers move on as the number one seed. They beat the Bears handily. The Bears still make the playoffs backdoor with the Cardinals' loss. 35-16, the Packers make it 240-4. 48 touchdowns for Aaron Rodgers. Maybe have stolen the MVP here in the last few weeks with his big performances here. So Rodgers, yeah, discount double-check. Big season. The touchdown, positive touchdown regression went to him. Aaron Jones had the much lesser touchdowns. Devontae Adams ends up with 18 touchdowns. So more than a third of uh, Rodgers' touchdowns went to his go-to guy, Devontae. Scored late in this game, 6-4-46. Caught all of his targets for a TD. MVS, two catches, 87, and a TD. So it looks like MVS is separated a little bit from Alan Lazard as the number two option. We'll see if they add that elusive extra wide receiver here. But MVS, Alan Lazard, Robert Tunyon, had the uh, double-digit touchdowns as well to finish the season. Jones looking good. Jamal Williams. This team is loaded with offensive skill players. All of a sudden, it was just Tunyon instead of uh, Jay Sternberger stepped up and MBS instead of Alan Lazard, who stepped up partly because of being the healthier option. And really stuck with him to be the big play guy, stretch the field with his size, and that's what happened. MBS playing off Adam. So same business as usual for Packers rolling on here. And these guys are going to be tough to stop in the playoffs when they start in the divisional round. Now, Mitchell Trubisky is going to have to suit up and um, go in there into New Orleans for the 7-2 game in the wildcard playoff round. 252 in interception, so zero TDs for Trubisky. David Montgomery ends the season strong, 31 touches, 132 yards, and a score. Darnell Mooney looked really good again, 11 catches for 93 here. Allen Robinson, we'll see if he's got one game left as a bear here. He's going into free agency, 2 for 37, so not the best regular season finish here, but... They do have Mooney, they do have Cole Komet, they do have Montgomery. So the two DMs, Mooney and Montgomery, are going to be key for them going forward with their uh, offense uh, if Robinson has to move on here and wants to chase free agency. We'll see about keeping Mitchell Trubisky. We'll see how he does in the Saints game. Maybe they win a couple playoff games. They might think about it and bring him back. Cole Komet, 7 for 41 and 8 targets. So, again, Jimmy Graham probably not going to be back either. So Komet and Mooney, you can guarantee seeing bigger roles next season as uh, complete players and Montgomery locked in now as a feature back and is going to be that conversation for a high-end Barbie one in the 2020 season all right so there's that game that was pretty easy to break down so is this next one the Saints and the Panthers here the Saints lock up the number two seed 33-7 they beat the Panthers 2-1-3 for Drew Brees so one of his better solid games here there's no uh Alvin Kamara or Latavius Murray, COVID-19 tracing, all that with the running back room. So Ty Montgomery, the hybrid uh, running back receiver, had to be the lead guy. 18 for 105 for him. Of course, he had a bit of Taysom Hill as well, 7 for 41. Manny Sanders without Michael Thomas on IR does the trick here with 9 for 63. And on 13 targets, clearly the go-to guy here in this offense. Uh, not a lot of Jared Cook, but he still scored 4 for 43 on 5 targets. So Really, without Thomas, pretty predictable that Sanders and Cook, the consistent other targets here, 
They're going to work better than other guys, such as Marcus Callaway came back, little Jordan Humphrey, Austin Carr, all those type of receivers. But, again, it's pretty much going to flow through Kamara, Sanders, and Cook in the passing game. And on the ground, it's going to pretty much flow through Kamara, Latavius Murray, and a little bit of Taysom Hill there in the playoffs. So, again, the Saints know what they are. They have to be a calculated passing team, run heavy, play good defense. That's what you've seen all season. That's what you saw against the Panthers 33-7. Panthers have a tough decision to make. They're not making the playoffs. They're 5-11. Teddy Bridgewater with an awful game, two interceptions. They put in P.J. Walker in the mop-up. He throws three interceptions. So five picks thrown and told by the Panthers. They had no Mike Davis or Christian McCaffrey. So it was Rodney Smith in mop-up duty, 10 for 40. And a touchdown here. It's a weird, weird ending to the season. Curtis Samuel probably headed to cashing in in free agency. 7 for 118, 11 targets. DJ Moore, 5 for 101, 11 targets. So Samuel's a free agent. It'll be hard to keep him in this offense if you want to keep more. Got Anderson, more and Anderson. So maybe a little bit of luxury with Samuel. Maybe McCaffrey coming back healthy will change. The thinking of needing Samuel because I don't think Samuel would have been nearly as involved. McCaffrey been there as a third running mate with Moore and Anderson. So something to keep in mind there. Smith, we'll see if he gets opportunities elsewhere. He definitely could be the backup. Mike Davis is a free agent, so McCaffrey's got that big contract. So he's probably auditioning here to be the new placement. We've seen Reggie Bonifan and Trendy Cannon and some other running backs here. But Smith looked pretty good as a potential top backup here for McCaffrey in uh, 2021. But, yeah, definitely the Panthers need to think about a quarterback change. Will they go to Zach Wilson or someone in the draft? Will they trust Bridgewater for another year with his two-year deal? A lot of things to be determined there. All right, the next uh, game we go to, this one was a shell of a game. 18-7, the Rams beat the Cardinals. The Cardinals failed to win and get in the playoffs. Part of the problem is they had to play Chris Strebler. Kyler Murray did have the leg issue, but he practiced in full and played. Unfortunately, he tweaked an ankle and hamstring in this one. So wasn't right. They forced him out in the game when it was desperation time in the third and fourth quarter. But this offense pretty much died after the first quarter. Didn't manage a point here. So a pretty rough break. Chris Straveler just was not ready for the opportunity against his tough Rams defense. So just a really bad backup situation there. So everything kind of went in the tank. Kenny Drake couldn't get it going there. Uh, Straveler threw a pick six. That was pretty ugly. When Dan Arnold is a receiving leader, three for 46 on three targets, it's a concern. So Cardinals, shockingly, lose out to get out of the playoffs here. So frustrating end for DeAndre Hopkins and this entire team with the Murray injury and Straveler having to play. Now, the Rams, uh, they made the best of their situation. Uh, they probably got a break here that Murray couldn't play, and he wasn't at full strength. John Walford, they were very careful with him. They kind of played caretaker with him, didn't throw too much. Ran 30 times. He ran six times for 56. He used his athleticism. Cam Akers and Malcolm Brown, we thought they were going to have more success, but uh, Walford would, ended up being the most productive uh, guy in this game here, so pretty bad overall. Uh, Walford, uh, they didn't really pass that much, so Robert Woods... Was limited. Uh, they didn't have Cooper Cup out there. So a lot of Cam Akers dump offs to him. 25 touches. He came back from that ankle sprain. 12 touches for, I'm sorry, 25 touches for 76 yards. A very uh, quiet 76 yards because he didn't get in the end zone. They only managed one def- uh, touchdown that was a defensive score in this game. So at least Akers looks healthy. He'll be a big factor against the Seahawks. We expect Cup to be back. We expect uh, Goff to be back here for the Seahawks matchup. But Rams can reinvent themselves, do different things, but again, hard to say this is what we usually see from the Rams with uh, all their uh, limitations here offensively at the skill positions. 
Next game we'll go to is the other game in the NFC West, their finale. 49ers, rough season full of injuries. They end up giving the Seahawks a fight, lose 26-23. C.J. Beathard, 273-1. Big decision to make, both C.J. Beathard, Nick Mullins, free agents next year. Jimmy Garoppolo, do they want to get out of that contract? That's the thing they have to look at. We'll get into that more. In the backfield, Jeff Wilson. What a closing stretch for him with Raheem Mostert hurting 20 for 76 and a TD through the ground and 3 for 12 and a TD through the air. So Wilson, they love Wilson in this uh, setup here. Mr. Wilson looking really good for Kyle Shanahan. We'll see if uh, Mostert can come back healthy. A lot of injury issues for Mostert. They did give him a contract. So you figure it's going to be Wilson Mustard combination. Tevin Coleman probably going to be out there. Jarek McKinnon not going to be in the mix there. So maybe they'll draft a back. But again, Wilson has proved that he should be in a committee with Mostert, assuming Mostert is healthy in 2021. Kendrick Bourne gets it done in the slot, 5 for 76 and 6 targets. George Kill, another solid game to finish, 7 for 68 and 9 targets. But no Debo Samuel, no Vernon Ayuk. So I'm excited to see what they can do with Samuel, Ayuk, and Kittle on the field at the same time. Just didn't happen uh, at all much in the 2020s, 2021. Uh, here's to that. And this explosive 49ers passing game, if they get a passer here that isn't Garoppolo, that maybe he's a young guy, gets in this mix, so uh, watch out. I think the uh, 49ers offense could be extremely explosive. It still pretty was here. Uh, Trent Williams really was a revelation of left tackle. He turned out to be a great trade here. We'll see what they do. But the 49ers... Certainly looked pretty good offensively despite their injuries. That tells you how great Kyle Shanahan's system is. Now with the Seahawks, they didn't look all that great offensively, but Russell Wilson was solid, 181-2, and 29 yards rushing. Tyler Lockett finally got going again. Two touchdowns for Lockett, 12 for 90 on 14 targets. DK Metcalf, another tough matchup on the outside, 3 for 21. Steps into jail Ramsey this week, and uh, we know the Rams are pretty good in the slot as well, so Lockett and Metcalf are probably going to cool down again. This week, Carson getting the volume, but they're not running the ball the way we're used to with the Seahawks. Alex Collins gets a late touchdown here. Remember him? He was originally drafted by the Seahawks, did a little river dance with the Ravens. It was relevant and fancy there, but now came back as backup, but interesting there. Yeah, Chris Carson doesn't look as dominant as we think. 13 touches here for 83 yards, no score. So something to watch is the Seahawks defense not exactly putting everything together here at the right time here down the stretch when they need to with the tough Rams defense awaiting them in a rematch in Seattle in the divisional playoffs. Finally, we'll look at the game that uh, had some head scratching here for sure. The Washington football team holds off the Eagles 20-14. to They really didn't have to hold off the Eagles. The Eagles held off themselves. Uh, went for it on fourth down there in the red zone when they could have tied the game. It was 17-14 at that point. Then they Put Nate Sudfeld in the game over Jalen Hurts for no apparent reason other than uh, Doug Peterson not being very intelligent. And uh, we saw Sudfeld take his lumps and lose there. Alex Smith was uh, pretty solid here overall getting the ball downfield. Logan Thomas, what a big season for him at tight end. He's going to be a tight end one conversation next year. Clearly the go-to guy. Terry McLaurin looks always good. Scored a touchdown in his return. He's going to be a good wide receiver too next year. But again, Washington still plays on here, and uh, Antonio Gibson, it was a little tough sledding for him, 19 for 75. But still, Gibson looks like the feature back of the future. McKissick doesn't seem to be going anywhere as a key target, 5 for 30. But Logan Thomas, 3 for 37. Terry McLaurin, 7 for 40, both TD. Consistent targets here. We'll see what Washington does at quarterback. Will they stick with Alex Smith next year? He did have two interceptions this game with those two TDs. So we'll see. I bet they make a QB change, try to get some more ceiling 
and upside at the game's most important position after they gave up on Dwayne Haskins for the Eagles. So we'll see. Is it going to be Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz next year? I would lean towards Hurts at this point. The receiving core is a shelf. Zach Ertz is aging here. Deshaun Jackson didn't play. Alshon Jeffrey. They have to make a lot of decisions. But you figure they have to move on from Jackson. Jeffrey, let Rieger, and Mark Sager Whiteside, and maybe a young receiver they draft. Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, be the future of this offense, along with Dallas Goddard and uh, Jalen Hurts. So there you have it. There's a look at all the games and their most important fantasy football takeaways and reality takeaways from Week 17. Again, we'll go into all these teams in depth in offseason. We'll do a postmortem every team once every team is done here. But uh, we will turn our attention to the mock draft tomorrow and then uh, break down the games for you, matchup Wednesday, matchup Thursday. And then uh, we'll close the week actually looking at DFS again. So we'll do that, do DraftKings and FanDuel, how we want to play the Saturday and Sunday slates in there. So definitely uh, action-packed. So we'll switch up, pick up Tuesday with a little mock draft Tuesday, then uh, double dose of matchups and uh, close with a little lineup Friday here. So we'll do that here throughout uh, the playoffs and uh, get you going and uh, all kinds of off-season uh, content ahead for you in the new year. Thanks so much for listening. Happy New Year again. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow for uh, our mock draft 1 through 18.